As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. You know, there are different ways to appreciate things like press conferences. And this is something that we've talked about in various forms on this show and that I think about pretty frequently because it's a huge part of the the ecosystem, right? You talk to the coaches and the players. They say the thing. You talk about the thing a little bit. Sometimes Patrick Mahomes says, I'd like to win football games. That becomes an entire story for the worst week of my life. Nothing else has been bad in my life, just for the record. It's just that that story, being a national story, has ruined me. Uh, but but most of the time, and I don't want to speak for you, Nate Taylor, but I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself momentarily. Most of the time, the vast majority of your press conferences aren't exactly rocking the boat too much. Andy Reid has done a lot of press conferences in his long, illustrious career. The odds of him slipping up and accidentally saying, we're not looking forward to the challenge of the Browns and we don't think they're a good football team. <laughs> Very, very thin chance of that. But Nate, do you know the one time in my life whenever my sort of general uh, press conference exhaustion goes right out the window? Uh, I, I don't think I know this, Josh. It is whenever Steve Spagnolo comes up to that podium, uh. isn't totally sure what time it is, isn't <laughs> totally sure what day it is, and he just chats with us, man. He's just out here just saying stuff. He's roasting Zoom backgrounds. Eric Bieniemy comes through and he he's he begrudges the fact that he doesn't get asked about being twenty and zero. That's all, that's all a, a different category. Spags comes out. He's got jokes. He's got an opening statement, and he will actually answer questions in a way that directly correlates with some of the biggest stories of the offseason. I, I love Spags and I detest the vast majority of press conferences. Not the Spags division, though. That is a whole different ballgame and my absolute favorite ballgame. It's it's truly a gift that not only does Andy Reid let his players show their personality, one of the one of the all-time phrases in Chief, in the Chiefs facility. Hey, show your personality. You know, let your get, beautiful personality show. Eric Bieniemy said, "I want that cross stitched on a throw pillow." Yeah, I mean, and he lets the coaches do it. Hey, we're gonna get the work in. Uh, we gonna be about this work, but hey, 
do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> especially in June. Uh, when we ain't playing nobody, even though we already got plays set up for the Cleveland Browns and they don't even know it yet. Um, yeah, the best part for me, Josh, is the way it's set up for people to understand. And shout out to our dear, lovely listeners. They basically get guys in a... I mean, I'm not even going to say it's a nice room. They basically get guys in a room. Yes. And there's a laptop on a podium, y'all. Like this, (laughs) like the NFL, a multi-billion dollar industry. (laughs) Hey, go in front of this room and talk to that, talk to that laptop. That that's how we that's how we doing this right now. What I love is is Steve Spadella walks in like he owns the room that no one else is in but him. Yes, and then he will put his face closer to the laptop screen <laughs> so that he can see. Oh yeah, there's Pete Sweetie. There's Herbie Tiovi. Ah ah! Shout out to Haley Lewis with Channel Forty One. What up? What? Hey, there's Nate. Like. He actually takes the time to to locate where everybody is on the gallery view. That is a, what, Zoom meeting? Mm -hmm. On a laptop in a room with nobody else but him. So, look, this is all produced because of the COVID protocols. We're still still in them, y'all. We're we're getting there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I don't care what the Washington Post says. I I got to get in the locker room. I was wondering if you saw that story because it seems like we might not get there. But, you know. I, I, get, I just look, I'm not telling people that they should reread some of the things I wrote in 2019, but some of those things are f- because I was in the locker room mm-hmm. to provide you with the information that you would want as fans. Um, I'm going to get in the locker room. We're going to do it. Uh, but look, in terms of the first, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, the first real OTA practice I saw, mm-hmm. um, because last week was mostly like, Hey, everybody here? All right, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> except for the quarterback, except for the star tight end, except for the star receiver, except for the star defensive end. Everybody's here, though, right? Um, so this is the first time where, like, you could kind of see things. Um, and you're right, because I know you're going to get to it, Josh. Steve Spagnuolo, uh, he out here reading. He out mm-hmm. here looking at all the NFL network. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably listening to your good friends and yourself on 810 when he's driving in between, you know, home and the facility. Oh, no, don't say that. Because I do a I do a Spags impression every, every once in a while. And the idea of him ever hearing that is going to give me a panic attack. He's just a, he's just what well, he's a is he a, he's a Jersey guy, right? He's not, yeah. not going to worry about that. Oh, um, you know, he, he's been hearing it all his life. And he's just here to tell you that. Yeah, I read that Chris Jones is out here going to play D.N. He's going to go play D.N. Okay, yeah. coach. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, thank we you, coach. Wait, you're not even going to say this in training camp when the public can see this? Right. Yeah. Specs. Golf clap for you, sir. I love it, dude. I really. Th- also, I've said this whenever I've done an impression or had similar conversations on 810, but like I, I want to say it again now. If it sounds like I'm all- secretly making fun of Spags, it, you're wrong. I'm not, I'm, everything I'm saying is different. Dead ass genuine. I love the Spags <laughs> press conferences. He's got a good energy and he also does. gives us good information. Like I genuinely 
really it's it's the only it's the only presser that I feel like I legitimately look forward to. EB occasionally gets there, but he's gotten pretty good at not saying more than he wants to. And Spags is just kind of a he's just a really smart football dude with a good accent and a good vibe talking about football stuff. And if that's not what you're here for, I don't know what you're here for at all. Uh, Seth all, Kaiser, the, by the way, will 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 join us. We believe partway through today's show. I'm Josh Briscoe. That's Nate Taylor. It's time. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead, Nate. L- lastly. It's not on the bingo cart anymore because he's he's not technically on the roster. But guys, when when Steve Spagnuolo used to say breezy, oh, oh, oh just I uh, who you talking about? Who you like again? His face closer to the to the laptop screen. Who you talking about? Oh, breezy. Oh yeah, yeah he do it like oh yeah. just <laughs> so good. Dude. Look, coach, I would never say his nickname. To you in a question. But right. the fact that you acknowledge him by his nickname and rap persona to me on the computer. Oh, just it doesn't get better. It I doesn't. mean, I don't know if he'll be a head coach again. I know at some point, again, if the Chiefs have success, he will he will eventually be at least asked to interview. Mm. I think Andy Reid made it pretty clear during the run up to the playoffs or run up to the Super Bowl last year that, like, hey, I kind of granted everybody Eric Bienemy. Can I get three years out of Steve Spagnuolo? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, guys. Guys. <laughs> like, don't you want to get Skarnecki a job? <laughs> Sorry, Skarnecki. You you, you kind of had to take that one. Anyway. I'd rather have Skarnecki. I, I need I need Spags here. I can't go on without Spags on a weekly basis. <laughs> well, Dude, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see Skarnecki, you know, in, in what, September? Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get a, we'll get a first look. But, um, yeah, I mean, at some point. He will probably not be here that long if uh, if the Chiefs are anywhere near competent on defense. But uh, let's get to it, Josh. I mean, he just he says some things, yeah, directly to some players and indirectly about some players that basically give you a a true picture of day one of training camp on the defensive side of the ball, and yeah. um. He shouldn't do that on June 2nd. No, stop it. Don't say that. I disagree. I disagree. He should because it's great. Here's the other thing, man. What competitive advantage are the Browns going to get wondering about Chris Jones playing at defensive end right now as opposed to doing it in the lead up to the game? But uh, honestly, I'm not even for, – for me, with, with my personal crusade that listeners of this show are very familiar with – uh, my favorite little nugget of information from Spags was in the secondary. You mentioned the two things on the defensive mm-hmm. side. So I, if, mm-hmm. if it's good for you, I, I'd like to start there. Let's go. Yeah, because let's go. we got a little bit of juice there. We, we actually, the squeeze was worth it because Spags, Spags was asked about, I think it was actually Pete's question, and then Spags roasted his Zoom background. <laughs> Just crushed him. Hey, 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 you notice there's, there's 50 other two guys on the roster, <laughs> but I only see a one and a five behind you sir step your game up get a 95 a 55 a 32 have you heard about breezy uh, pete should show up for the next presser wearing a, an item of clothing from uh frank clark's new clothing line like that's <laughs> that's how Pete should even the score again five five just five, say five five, five, five. <laughs> um so with with that on the table so so he's asked about hey you know so if if breezy isn't back this year which currently as we record this right now he is still not signed to an nfl roster i would love him to still be in kansas city i think even i am beginning to to slowly give up the ghost perhaps because Mm. it it did it didn't sound probable the way spags talked about it but maybe a little window left open but but you know the question was essentially no no breezy 
What are you going to do with Legarius Sneed? He was great yes. in the slot last year. Is he going to kick out to the outside? What's the plan? And Spags said, paraphrasing and not doing an accent, Spag said, well, you know, we had a, an example in Philadelphia where we had a guy that was on the outside in, in essentially base packages, he said, with, with, with four DBs, and then would kick inside whenever there were five DBs, and they would go into a nickel package. We could do that with Legereus. Uh, also, he said something that everyone knows, I think, to be true, but just coaches don't say very often. He says, well, you know, it kind of just depends on who our next corner is, in, yes. in, inferring that among DeAndre Baker, Mike Hughes, Bo Pete Keys, whoever Rashad Fenton um maybe Bashad Breland but <laughs> but of that group it depends on C-Dub is one one of those other guys is gonna try to elevate themselves and then we'll see what we do with Sneed I just found that to be a totally logical answer that that is about what I would have expected if I was injecting with truth serum and it was just just casually honest. I think it made a lot of sense. And I was really glad to hear him talk about it because it means we can stop wondering a little bit about what he's thinking. Because I, I believe that Spags tells the truth whenever he talks the vast majority of the time. Yeah. And doesn't it trickle down um, to not only the assistant coaches, because uh, we haven't even talked to Sam Madison yet. And mm-hmm. Rub our hands together like we Jeezy when we get him <laughs> <laughs> in training camp. The The thing that... The thing that blows my mind is not only is it honest, but it's it's so it's so clear that this is not done in any way that's negative. It is just the real information that I have about the things that I'm seeing on the practice field and things I've seen in previous seasons with the guys who are on my roster. I, I just like I would love. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it's never happening under the Andy Reid administration. But I I would love to be in those defensive back meeting rooms because those might be the most honest conversations outside of the quarterback's rooms. Yeah. Um, Based on my understanding of the the philosophy, uh, how the game obviously is centered around passing and defending the pass. Um, So you have to be honest. You have to be real. You have to be like super specific as to like what is necessary for success. Um, it was interesting to me, and look, it's voluntary. Let's mm-hmm. say that for the eighth thousandth time, mm-hmm. it is voluntary. But it does say something that Mike Hughes was not there Thursday, the last day of practice, which was open to reporters. Uh, Traverius Ward has ultra, has basically made the decision that I'm going to be there for mandatory and we'll see where this season goes basically under a contract year sort yeah. of circumstance. Um, we know Bashar Breeland wants to be a starter and pretty much needs to hear it from the general manager, the coaching staff, and maybe even the equipment guy, whichever team he signs with, mm-hmm. um, whether that's now or into training camp or coming out of training camp. Um, I've mentioned his name before, Josh, and I just want to get your thoughts. I mean, Rashad Fenton. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Like, this might be your one chance to be a NFL starter 17 games now? Good Lord, they're playing 17 games now. They're, they're playing 17. Can you believe that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> wants to win all of them? <laughs> 
Sorry. I'm, I'm going to continue to oh, ignore we that. We'll get to that. I know. Uh, I know. We will have to. I don't want to, but we will. Um, yeah. So Rashad Fenton. Because that's, that's, that's the guy who I believe right now has the opportunity in front of him running from the inside lane on the track. Are you are you saying to be a, an outside starter or to be the slot guy? Um, it will depend upon matchups with which Spagnolo mentioned also. Yeah, true. Um, I believe <laughs> I believe he has a greater chance to be the starter for the majority of these 17 upcoming games on the perimeter. Oh, interesting. Okay. I I am telling you that based on my eyes the last two weeks yeah with that being said that should tell you where another person who plays the same position was on those field for my eyes to see um it's a philosophy question as to okay luxurious need was undeniably great Mm -hmm. as the nickel slot whatever you want to call it inside man okay um, not to say the Patriots had a blazing offense last year, mm-hmm. but one of Rashad Fenton's best games, and I rewatched it, was against the New England Patriots early in the season, playing on the outside. He he also had an interception in that game. Um, and so uh, there's something on tape to demonstrate that he's assignment sound. He's physically gifted enough to compete. Um, the question is, obviously, can his body hold up for 17 games, given the demands of the responsibility of the job? But I do think people should start really talking themselves. If you have game pass, re-looking at things, see how he played. Mostly in the AFC Championship game, I don't know if they used him really enough because Tampa Bay uh, just had greater advantages elsewhere on the field to not mm-hmm. really have Rashad fit and be a factor. But the AFC Championship game sort of proves that he is capable enough of being successful. And if you want to keep luxurious need at what he's ultimately ultra great at from a year ago. Yeah. Then you have Ward, Sneed on the inside, and Fitton on the outside. I don't think the Chiefs will be really upset with me because the coach already said it. <laughs> well, so let me let me say some things because I wasn't out there, so I'm just I'm just projecting here. I'll 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 be the the safety net. I'll be your your meat shield here. Cuz I got one thing on Sneed and one thing on Fitton. Actually, right. and here's a mini one. Here's your little appetizer. I think of I don't know why. I think of Rashad Fenton as being smaller than these other guys. And he's 5'11. And Legarius Sneed is six foot. And just on their like pro football fo- pro football reference yep. measurements. I don't know what I'm doing there. I just think of I just think of Fenton in the slot and I think of him being like 5'9. And he's not. He's 5'11, at least on here. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Two, you mentioned Legarius Sneed in the slot as the thing that he was ultra great at. This will come around when we talk about Chris Jones in a little bit as well. But I, as a general starting point, I'm not like dying, living and dying on this one, but just as a general starting point, it makes me nervous when you say, I want to take a player from the thing that he's great at and try to put him at another position where I also think he can be pretty good to great Mm -hmm. because of a lack of positional depth. If that, if you move Sneed from the slot to the outside with that logic, I would just say sign Bashad Breland and don't worry about it. And let's keep him, let's keep Sneed at the spot that he is ultra great. For, yeah. for Chris Jones, 
It's hey man, sign sign Justin Houston or, or Melvin Ingram or whoever, and and let's keep Chris Jones at the place where he is ultra dominant. Again, not that it can't work or won't work. In fact, I think in both of these instances, I think both Chris Jones and Lejarius Sneed will and could play yeah. in those positions and perform pretty well, uh, and uh, by their standards, right? I just don't. I don't really understand the urge to move them away from a place where they are a game wrecker. Like we were, we were talking about this um, yesterday on, on almost entirely sports where I, I sort of compared Sneed a little bit to like a younger uh, Tyron Matthew in terms of just like, he just pops up in different places and all of a sudden he's in the backfield and now your quarterback is on the ground and there's a, there's a corner standing over him. Like what happened there? That Legereus Sneed has that electricity. So I, I like him in the slot. Um, the, the thing with Fenton also is that we have seen him and he, he played 49% of the Chiefs regular season defensive snaps last year after playing 15% the year before. He was on the field half the time and he, he was never abused by a quarterback. He never got picked on in the way that runs guys out of the league. And that gives me a little bit of hope for, uh, for those possible you know, outcomes of maybe, maybe it's fitting on the outside. Maybe it's even, and I think Spags, the one thing that I do think Spags gave a good little amount on there was going back to the, to the example from Philly. And I cannot remember the player that he referenced, but, but having them outside and then kick into the slot whenever you were having a, a, a sub package. Mm-hmm. If, if you're starting outside guys were Ward and Sneed and he thinks that Sneed could do this and then 75 or 80% of the snaps and you're in a sub package, uh, Fenton comes into the outside and Sneed kicks into the slot. I, I would be happy to see that. That would not hurt my feelings one bit. Yeah. No, it, it, and it makes sense. Um, I also think, too, um, if you sign Bashad Breeland mm-hmm. uh, on a four wide receiver set two by two, mm-hmm. uh, Sneed and Fenton are the inside guys and Warden Breeland are the outside guys. And, and that's a damn good secondary and, right and there. Guess, and guess who might not be on the field in that situation? Is it Ben Neiman? Is it Daniel Sorensen? Oh, 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 there you go. Okay. What are those I, two? <laughs> I, I knew Just, it was one of them. And I what, went, I went Neiman first. Two? Look, all right, all right, folks. I'm going to tell you this right now. Okay, get it through your skull. We got a we got a linebacker off between Ben Neiman and Dorian O'Daniel. Who do you love? Oh. Who oh, do you do this to me? Somebody's oh, no. getting cut. Okay. Now, this is a business. Everybody understands it. Both guys are going, I believe, into the fourth year of their career. I can double check that as I talk. Um, yes, that is the case. This is year four for both of those guys. So you're going to have to make a decision on one of those two. Who stays healthy in camp? Who doesn't make some stupid mistake in preseason, even though preseason is an exhibition? But like for these guys, it's actually the job application process. Yeah. Um, who you care about, and who does the coaching staff trust the most? We know what the answer is. Yep. Entering training camp. Yep. I have uh, so Dorian O'Daniel. I'd happen to know this because I've actually I'd, I've been working on a I, for just a long time in a back burner thing of going back and looking at that draft class mm-hmm. um, because the, the Chiefs' best additions were undrafted free agents for the most part. Um, and, and Ben Neiman was an undrafted free agent. And Dorian O'Daniel, I believe, top of my head, was the hundredth overall pick in that year's draft in 2018. And I have wanted so badly for Dorian. I don't mean to gloss over Derek Naughty. He's actually he's been very good. Yes. But uh, but Dorian O'Daniel. I've I've just wanted him to find a role in this defense 
for so long <laughs> and it's just never there. And Ben Neiman is always on the field. And God bless his soul. He's doing what he can. I'm not mad at Ben Neiman. I'm disappointed that Doriano Daniel never became that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it happens, you know. Um, third round pick. I mean, you could say best case scenario, he's a sub package guy. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario is he's not on your roster. Yeah. And he's yeah. kind of been somewhere in the middle. Uh, so, uh, people forget this, but it's my job to remember, um, Dorian O'Daniel got hurt towards the end of last season. Um, Mm. but he was not because of the Willie Gay situation. I don't think he was ever going to sort of crack the rotation, uh, right before January started. Um, obviously Dave Tobe appreciates him a ton. He has some value. Um, and I probably shouldn't even, I should delete some from that sentence. He has some, he has value mm-hmm. on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard, it's a hard league. It's a hard job. It's a hard, it's hard to stay. Um, and so these are things that I'm obviously keeping in track of my mind. Uh, Josh, we could just talk. I mean, we, we could get on a phone call ourselves and talk about the 2018 draft for like an hour straight yeah. up. No yeah. issues whatsoever. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's it's crazy that nobody appreciates <laughs> nobody appreciates Derek Naughty because mm-hmm. everything else is a wasteland or a like shaky experiment or a wow that's a gamble that I don't know that we needed to take at the time but here we are you know yep. and, and Derek Naughty's just like but I'm I'm good <laughs> they there's Derek Naughty all of those things you just said, and then also in the case of Dorian, here I'll tell you, you know who this draft was great for in 2018, and then I want to talk about Christian. You know who this draft was great for in 2018, though? It was great for Dave Tobe, because he got himself Dorian O'Daniel, yep. Armani Watts, yep. and Byron Pringle as a UDFA, and Ben Neiman, and Daryl Williams as a UDFA. Hey, they were, they, they like... You, we thought if, the Chiefs were doing an entire draft class there of, of defensive players. They're mm-mm. actually doing a draft class of special teamers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say this uh, in the best way that I can based on you know all the conversations I've had in the past. But it gets to guy 49, especially on the roster this year. I think it'll get to guy 49, 51, 52, 53, and everybody just kind of. Turns their head to Dave Tope. Mm-hmm. There's, and if and does Andy Andy, do you have an issue with this? Yeah. Okay. Well, what does that do from the roster construction of having fourth tight end, sixth linebacker? Okay, mm-hmm. who can we keep on the practice squad? I mean, all these questions are being asked, and they're they're obviously legitimate, but every conversation with 51st guy turns to Dave Tobe and then it sort of works its way through it. So yeah. um and Dave's a smart guy, and he has to think about who can I have that will not screw us up in September, and who can yeah. I have that I think is going to get better as the season goes along with special teams, even though nobody cares about it in row eight, section 225, <laughs> seat C. But he cares, though. But he cares. cares. Hey, and he hey, should. Pay, that paycheck says yes. you better care. Yes. You know, so, hey, why is Marcus Kemp on the roster? Steady. Yeah. Steady Eddie, yeah. you know, like with a chance of getting better, Um, you know, not I mean, we're just I know we're mentioning guys at the bottom of the roster, whatever. But like Chris Layman's mm. can can Chris Layman's crack the DB, the DB, uh, DB 
or is he just a special teams guy that Dave Tobe can trust and who won't get hurt and will make an occasional block when McCole Hartman needs to turn the switch on the poor Miami Dolphins? Uh, let's. I, I think we may be we may be gaining a, a third co-host shortly. I'm I'm figuring that out as as we cook through here. But um, let's let's just stop talking about special teamers. Although it's really that they're they're the position groups right now that are actually probably being decided in in OTAs and then eventually training camp. Much more so than you know. Is Chris Jones going to play or not? <laughs> because we know we know the answer to most of those questions. But uh, it was another thing that that came up from Spags that, that we touched on a little bit already. But you know, we we talked whenever the Chiefs signed Jaron Reed, we talked about the idea that maybe this means Chris Jones could play outside a little more often. And it's been conjecture. We've discussed it a bunch, and and um, we've also discussed the fact that Chris Jones's best snaps as an NFL player have not necessarily been at the edge, but that it could be in the cards. Spag said yesterday, like, that is very much in the equation. Um, he used the phrase changing position, which is pretty dramatic sounding. He talked mm-hmm. about moving him back inside when we need to. I wrote that quote down um, because that sounds like a guy who is moving to the edge and will be on the edge and then will move in whenever they, they want to have a little more uh, pass rushing from the middle, I guess. So uh, I, I could still see going a number of ways, but I think at this point it seems pretty clear he's going to spend some time on the outside. Uh, did you get a feel for, for how much you think that's going to be from both from being out there at OTAs and then also from what Spag said? Yeah. Um, Josh, ask me how many reps have I seen Chris Jones take from the um, the interior of the defensive line? Uh, a quick question here for you, Nate. I, I hate to interrupt you, but how many mm. reps have you seen Chris Jones play at the interior in OTAs? Your Honor, I can't say much. I, I, <laughs> I, I can't definitively say zero, but um, Your Honor, it's not high. I, which I guess makes sense, right? Because I don't think Chris Jones needs the OTA reps there, but I... I don't mm-hmm. know, man. Again, this is—I mm-hmm. I, really—I I really, I, I really don't want to just be a wet blanket for no reason. I, it just makes me a little—it makes me a little nervous. Well, the the truth will be the second week of training camp, I believe. Yeah. First yeah. week is like, hey, the fans are back. We assume. Hey, mm-hmm. we out here in St. Joe. We assume. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, clap it up for your Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, all right, boys. We in pads now. It's week two. Welcome to football season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I for think all that, of us, we for all, all we all, of us, we yeah, all for- get in football season week two at training camp. <laughs> it's hot. God bless We're- the wonderful people of St. Joe, but I don't live there. It's can, a commute. Can you? By the way, one of my inside, you know, sports reporting things is about the third day in pads. Because what Andy will do is say, "Hey, boys, first day in pads, then you get an off day." Then, then comes the fun. Second mm. day in pads, consecutively to the third day in pads, and it's just <laughs> you've been in pads three out of the last four days. It is blazing hot. Andy's not even wearing pads, and he comes off the field sweating like you know who. <laughs> and I'm like, who's the brave soul that wants to ask him in the first question? Who is it? Who is it? Because it ain't me. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I'm gonna see how this plays out for five minutes, and then say, "All right, coach, here's what I'm thinking today." Uh, <laughs> and so, um, usually, as I get older, I will look at the young people and say, 
Not now. Not now. Not now. <laughs> let, let Adam Teicher, man to man, get us started. Okay. You listen, man. We I, I don't know. I don't know if we uh, have have the amount of years to do this. Maybe this is just a, a class that Teicher needs to teach. Mm. But if everybody, if this, now we are narrow casting to like six people who are probably not listening to this show. But listen here, if you if you're on the Zoom meeting, if you're if you're there in person in St. Joe, whatever it is, just let please Teicher ask the Joe. first question. Yeah, please please come to St. Joe, but but let man to man let let Adam Teicher let he, he I got faith in him. He never starts us off wrong. Like, yep. he knows, like, he knows what he's doing. All right. All right. Yes. Or out here. Um, but let him be the pace car. He's the pace car Seriously. on this one, man. Let him Seriously. break the line and let him go. Yeah. So, uh, when you get to, like, the second week of camp, right around the time when you've been in pads throughout the last four days, um, that's when the note-taking really takes a life of its own, where, like, oh. I can really start to see, oh... Here's what they're thinking, not just about Cleveland on September 12th, but here's what they're thinking for the whole month of September. Um, Because Patrick mentioned it yesterday, like, hey, we can experiment in the OTAs, in the mandatory mini camps. Mm -hmm. Can't really do that in training camp just because, as he said, uh, Mahomes was said, you know, we have to refine things so that Mm -hmm. we make sure we know what we're doing when we kick the ball off on September 12th. It all makes sense to me, but hey, if if Spags is gonna ride this thing out, I mean, it is the ultimate. It's the ultimate, you know, understanding that like, hey, this team is player friendly, and if you have demonstrated that you are very good at this thing and you would like to be good at that thing, we're not gonna say no in your face, but we we do want to see it. Um, it's the same thing with Orlando Brown, right? I mean, Orlando Brown demonstrated in a relative sample size that he could play left tackle, and now he's asked to protect the greatest asset in Kansas City Chiefs football history. (laughs) So this is a players-friendly coaching staff Mm -hmm. in terms of what the players want to get out for themselves, but obviously you have to do the work. Obviously you have to show it, and as I tell people, Andy Reid is not a player's coach on those second and third days of training camp with full mm. pads on. He's just not. But, mm. you know, hey, you get to play DN, though. <laughs> I I am, boy, this training camp this year is going to be really interesting. It's, it's it really still a is. out, but it's going to be really interesting. I, I just, I hope that, and some people have asked me on Twitter, and, and I, I see your guys' questions, and... Um, this 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 sort of goes to what training camp will be. I think um, I'm. I know people have asked me about Juan Thornhill. I know people have asked me about Clyde Rizalier. Um, the two days I've been out there, Clyde has not been at practice. Uh, I think he's been in Louisiana, from my understanding. Um, you know, he is training, y'all. Like he's <laughs> he's not mm-hmm. he's not sitting on a beach, but. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be fascinating to see what they do with him because you and I have talked about like, hey, if you're going to take a running back, you better use him like you <laughs> took him in the first round. Yeah. Um, and for Juan, you know, he's just been watching practices. I don't think this is a negative sign that his knee, like there's something wrong with his knee. I mean, he played in, he played in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think they want to get looks at other guys. 
And um, let's not put you out there if we don't really need to. Yeah. Because it's a 17-game season coming up, and we want it to be a 20-game season at the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to make that clear. Like, I don't think anything's wrong with either guy. Um, I just know that uh, a veteran like a Frank Clark, he going to ease into this uh, completely different manner than younger guys who will be ready to go, I assume, when training camp starts. Um, I am going to just sort of, these are voluntary. Mm-hmm. Everything you just said is important yep. to note. Yep. I'm trying to ask this question in a way that doesn't just continue to accentuate my unfortunate um, just sort of uh, reputation as a man who has a personal vendetta against Clyde Edwards and Lair, the human being. Because I don't. I really don't. He seems like a lovely dude. I don't think they should have drafted him in the first round. But that's not his fault. Were you surprised that he wasn't there? Because, the, I, I, you know what, I'm not even going to, I'll tell you, I I was surprised to see his no, name it, among that list. It's because, a, yeah. Because, like, his whole deal is sort of like, well, you know, we can we can trust him a little more in, like, pass protection and, and the passing game and everything once he gets more familiar with the with the, the, the playbook and, and reading a defense and all that. It just sort of seems like he would be among the dudes that would make a lot of sense to be getting a lot of OTA reps for sort of mental reps for that reason. I'm yeah. not sure it's going to end up having a huge impact, but I was a little surprised. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's one where it jumped out to me last week. It jumped out to me again, Thursday. Um, it's, it's a tricky situation just because one thing that you, I believe can criticize Clyde for, is you did not have this a year ago. Yeah. So why are you voluntarily giving it up, even though any NFL team will tell you, if you're a rookie, you are expected to be at rookie minicamp, voluntary OTAs, mandatory minicamp, and then obviously everything starts at training camp. Um, You did not go through a normal period. There were times last year at training camp where we saw him struggle. What you want to see in year two is less of those stretches where mm-hmm. it's a blip and you understand it because the coaching staff is trying to push you and pull you in certain directions just to see what they can get out before, as Patrick Mahomes says, before they refine everything to get you ready for opening day. Yeah. Um, that is where you can criticize Clyde edwards in my opinion, and my understanding of what a coaching staff wants from its players, particularly those on rookie deals and in light of just not having that opportunity last year, because it is so much a reference point for me watching what McCole Hartman went through during his rookie season, knowing that he did not have that last year Mm. and knowing that that sort of exacerbated some of his issues beyond just not getting the normal amount of snaps you would give to somebody that you took at that particular round in the draft in 2018. Mm. Um, So there's a reason that all the receivers have been at OTAs yeah. because there's real competition. There's reasons all the tight ends have been there. Um, everybody knows Travis Kelsey's safe. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that you know Tyreek Hill is locked. Everybody knows that Patrick Mahomes doesn't really have to do this, but he kind of has to do it because he has an entirely new offensive line. So why aren't you doing it? That yeah. is a legitimate question to ask someone. As we mentioned, it's voluntary. He out here in the South. It's not like he's working out. Like he's not working out, I should say. Right. Um, 
So he will be one of the people I will look at mostly when it's mandatory minicam. And if yeah. he is there, we will we will give you we will provide you the updates that are relevant and necessary. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. If I know one thing, it is that being on time for things <laughs> and being there the moment they start is a reflection of professionalism and, frankly, character. <laughs> and the fact that someone might be late is basically, I don't want to exaggerate here, but you can tell they're a bad person. And that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Times Ours. Uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. No, we got it. We got 20 minutes left. <laughs> we got 20 minutes left. Uh, hi, Seth. How are you? Hello. Hey, fellas. It is, it, it's good to be here. It's good to be back. I, uh, you know, sorry. I, I thought I was supposed to be doing a YouTube video, and so I got lost on the internet. Mm. Um, my, my, my how, many cli- how many clips did you like? Hey, I'll look at that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best version of that is... Man, that song was hot in high school. Oh, you want to take me back to junior high? Okay. Dude, Let's yes, play. yes. Yep. That no, rabbit hole really, is impossible it's like, to crawl out of. You just eventually it really fall asleep. Is tough. You see, Josh, you don't know yet, and Nate, you're just getting there. <laughs> yes. Like when you like you run across a station, you're driving somewhere you're not familiar with. You turn to a station, and there's just a jam on there, and mm-hmm. you are like, man. And then the next song. Just a jam. Third song. You're like, what? This is amazing. And then it's like, we're back with classic songs from the mid-90s. And you're like, oh, my heart. You ain't got to say that. Just keep playing them. Yeah, you know. We'll take you back in the day with my own worst enemy by Lit. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> back to the good old days with look, look. dial-up modems in Jenko jeans. Oh, look, I, I, you're... You You're remember gonna... when it took an hour and 10 minutes to download this on LimeWire? I mean, <laughs> you... not that I ever did that because that was illegal. Again, people are not going to believe the band that's going to come out of my mouth. But as I said, kind of know about what you are in this life, how to glass looking for you if, you know, how you feel about the whole Jeremy Lin Linsanity experiments. <laughs> I would like to now present to you a system of a down. Why? Yes. Tell me whatever you think. That I, I just know something about you, cause system of a down used to bang. I you would you could have given me a lot of guesses, Nate. I gotta be honest, I would it would have taken me a very long time to get to I don't know system of a down. What? Yeah, it's just there, there's just a lot going on here. I'm sorry to have derailed everything. I really am. There's just a lot of questions here, but really that's that's when it happens, and you just realize. 
Man, so I actually was watching um, a video, of course I was, The Evolution of Worship Music. And I realized... That one's much I less know, surprising. Yeah. I didn't realize that... Uh, I, As I watch it, I didn't recognize a single song after like 2008. Mm. <laughs> and that's when I was like, wait, is Third Day not still the biggest thing in... in Modern Christian music? Is that not oh, what's going on yeah. right now? And I have found myself desperately, woefully behind. Much like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is gonna be behind. <laughs> he I can't believe he would be late. This is terrible. You know, uh, you know, we just <laughs> look, if you wanna if you wanna understand where people have been, you gotta you gotta take them back. And that yeah. and that includes Switchfoot. Like Switchfoot. Oh, Switchfoot. They're still doing it by the way. Move. I mean, like, exactly. I mean, you got to, I mean, look, who didn't love Switchfoot? Look, I know, I know you're show. hating, sir, ma'am. No way. Absolutely but you not. Tap, not you, this house. You, tap, you tapped your foot back in the day. Just say it. Just say it. You may have, you may have done it begrudgingly, but Switchfoot yeah. had, some, had some hits, had some songs. They did. They the, did. I, look, when, when Brooklyn Nine-Nine did an opening scene where they did Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, mm, I, got a, I was mm. like, you know what? You know what? I concede. The girls that I hung out with in junior high were right. These guys rock. I was wrong. Yeah. And I was just too insecure to admit it. So you know what, BSB? I apologize. I, I am sorry I, for what I've done to you guys today. <laughs> I'm currently listening to Seth. I'm listening to you talk while the opening riff of Mint to Live plays in the background. And it's the mm. coolest you've ever sounded. Mm. Because you're I just like, you're going, you know what? I like Backstreet Boys. Oh, man, this song absolutely rips. It does. Oh, goodness does. gracious. So what what did I miss? Um, is Julio Nothing Jones important. the chief yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They traded for Julio Jones. Um, Mitchell Schwartz is back. Uh, weirdly, they traded Orlando Brown away for less than they traded him for him. Uh, Bashad Breeland plays for every team now. Just pretty chill <laughs> Except- day. The Chiefs. Except yeah. the Chiefs. <laughs> he plays for 31 teams. Guess who he doesn't play for? Uh, here, here's two things I'll kick to you, Seth. A couple things that we started off with, because Steve Spagnuolo really gave us, he gave us the, the rain from the clouds that this, this desert, this content desert so desperately needed. Uh, and, and we talked a good amount about uh, Legereus Sneed. And I don't know if you heard Spag talk about this, but he's saying, hey, you know, um, we in Philadelphia, we had a guy that we'd play on the outside and then kick into the slot whenever we'd go into a sub package. We could do that with Sneed. But he also said, hey, it's going to depend on who our next guy up is. Like, he said, like, the next the next corner who who steps up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a part of the equation. How is that going to all shuffle around? Nate gave us a good little nugget about Rashad Fenton, potentially depending on, you know, where your your vantage point was. Maybe getting a lot of snaps on the outside with Snead in the slot, and then also Chris Jones uh, moving to the uh, to the edge. Spags pretty much said, "Yeah, that's happening." Oh, see, the first part not super surprising. I'm worried about the cornerback group. Yeah. I know I should know better by now. Um, I'm sure this time next year we'll be like, "Yeah, you know what? You know what? Bo Pete Keys not a star, <laughs> but competent. Right. <laughs> you know, like right, like that. That's what that's what that's what's been going on." Every year, and maybe I'll start to believe at some point, mm-hmm. um, but not this year. <laughs> Today is not that day. Um, I, I'm still a little worried about quarterback. The Chris Jones thing on the edge, that's something they've been teasing for years. And by the time training camp came around, like even last year, right, where they talked about it and people you know, speculated about it and offered all kinds of opinions about it, then training camp rolled around and he was at 
defensive tackle the vast majority of the time. When he did play edge, it was kind of like either due to injury mm-hmm. or, you know, just, it just, and I get it. He's maybe the best pass rushing three tech in the league, not named Aaron Donald because mm-hmm. that's not fair. Um, but this year, it seems like it's going to happen. And I hear he, I hear every year, I, if I recall, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Every year we've been like, man, Chris Jones looks skinnier this year. Mm-hmm. And I think it happened again. Like to where, I mean, is he running around at 280 now? Like, could it be? And so I'm I'm genuinely curious what he's going to do there. And I would assume, and you guys probably covered some of this, I'm guessing maybe it's a reflection in part of the fun they think they can have with Jones on the edge. But I think maybe even more so it's a reflection of the fact that they really like the rotation of defensive tackles they have and don't like the rotation of defensive ends they have. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, okay... So you're telling me we can put Jaron Reed and Tershawn Wharton on the interior on pass rushing downs and put Jones on the edge? And maybe that'll be better. Or maybe on yeah, you know what I mean? There's just a yeah. lot going on here. Yeah. It'll be a rotation where um let's look at the roster sheet, kids. Yes. How you feel how you feel about Taco Charlton? All right, how do you feel about Mike Dana? <laughs> All right, how do you feel about Damone Harris? Remember when we didn't know his name? Yeah. Uh, remember? <laughs> what do you think about Joshua Kando? Uh And what are your thoughts about Tim Ward? I actually answered every one of those. Just you just didn't notice. Oh, I didn't hear it. Oh, <laughs> no, okay. I did. Those you got all my aunt. So here's uh, this. This is uh, Seth. I, I at the risk of, of briefly repeating myself from earlier. I want to. I want to throw this at you also. With with what Nate just pointed out with your explanation there. One thing that I still do not like very much is moving really good players from the space where they have been all pro caliber to mm-hmm. another position, perhaps because of positional either uh, uh, wealth or or lack of that. That makes me a little that makes me a little nervous because I, mm-hmm. if if you if Legarius Sneed is as Seth, uh, the, as Nate mentioned earlier, I think said is, you know, his most dominant, his most impactful in the slot. Just sign Bashar Breeland. Don't worry about it. If if Chris Jones is the second best pass rusher on the interior defensive line in the sport of football, why move him to edge? Just just make it work with Melvin Ingram or give Justin Houston a call or maybe draft a, a, an edge rusher in the second round with one of your two picks or whatever, right? Like, I, I don't love moving excellent players, not because you think that's where they're going to be best, but because that's where your positional need ends up being. Sure. It makes me nervous. I can understand that completely. I would assume, and this is a dangerous thing to do, I would assume they wouldn't go that route if they didn't think that Jones would be able to be as effective, moved around more as he already is. Because otherwise it would be a little bit crazy to me. Or in the alternative that you think it's going to be a, you know, I'm just going to throw numbers out here, okay? Not like... Mm. realistic ones just random numbers um maybe you say okay we think jones is gonna be you know 90 percent as effective from the edge as he is on the interior or 95 percent as effective but right. we like you know whoever insert defensive tackle a b whatever here mm-hmm. we like this dude being on the field we think that upgrades us significantly mm-hmm overall or let's say like on a first down snap right because that's from the sound of it that might be the difference because they've had jones on the edge 
on pass rushing downs at times before. I'm wondering if what they might do here is, you know, you're talking like earlier downs because Taco Charlton's a guy who can get after the passer a little. So maybe what they're concerned about is edge defense or maybe, you know, Mike Dana, he's good at that, but he's not much of a pass rusher at this point. I don't know, right? But maybe they say, okay, we think Chris Jones would actually be uh, 150% of anyone else we can put on the edge. And because of that, having a defensive tackle there with a more limited role that we can play around with, put Jaron Reed at the three tech where Jones would have been, where Reed can play really, really well. And then you've got Naughty in his usual spot and then Frank Clark, right? Maybe that's their idea. Maybe that, like having Jaron Reed on board is the impetus of all this. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they've had a really good... <laughs> I, I was is- I was hoping this flight was coming in my neighborhood. <laughs> and so I'm I'll throw it to you, Nate, after this. When you get a player like Jaron Reed, who can play, you know, in in the three tech and in that area really, really well, it allows you to move some guys around. So maybe that's the point there, is you you're like, you know what, we're not gonna go too far down a rabbit hole with Reed. It's not going to go too badly there with him. It's going to actually go really, really well. And then we can move Jones out there and we're going to have two stud guys next to each other. And maybe we put, you know, we line them right next to each other, like in just one gap away from each other and say, hey, look, y'all, they're too close to double team. Like, what are you going to do? That That's at least worth thinking about. Um, but I do agree that you want to make sure that you're not tinkering just to tinker. Um, This is where, and and... And Seth is on is just spot on. Um, my addition to this is this is where interpersonal communication becomes uh, paramount, and an organization that has um, you know an understanding as to where they want to go under the circumstances that they have. Um, I'm not saying people were clamoring for where Mike Pinnell was going to go, but he had graduated out of the program because as we've mentioned before, this is a year where you got to know what you have in Colin Saunders. Um, mm-hmm. Tershawn Wharton. All right, let's see if you can do it again. Cause that was really good, dude. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, people should really appreciate Derek Dotty. <laughs> like they mm-hmm. really should. So that's three guys already, right? We all think they're going to be on the roster. When it becomes apparent that Jaron Reed is available, when it becomes apparent that that relationship between him and Frank Clark is strong to where Frank Clark, and again, I'm not saying this is exactly what happened, but this is kind of what happened. Jaron Reed becomes available. Nobody wants to trade for him. Chiefs are like, can you just cut him already? (laughs) Um, So they cut him. All right. Frank Clark knew this two days before he was cut. Um, tells the Chiefs. Chiefs understand the situation, waiting for it to happen. Okay, now this happened. Let's reach out to the agent. Agent's like, hey, great to hear from you. My guy's <laughs> available. <laughs> to which the Chiefs say, okay, we would love to have you. Now, cap down a little bit this year. You understand. But we 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 <laughs> we like what you see. We like what we see out here on this film. To which Steve Spagnolo said yesterday. Word for word. I loved what I saw from him on film. Now, we can get you back here with your boy. But but, but, but we know you're going to be a free agent after this one year. Hear me out. You are going to get your reps. We're not going to squish you. 
We're not going to hinder you. We're not going to ask you to be a duck. We're going to ask you to be a bull. <laughs> Just stay with us. You, you hear me now? I, I, look, I know Philly's calling. Yes, I know Buffalo's <laughs> calling. Just hang with me for another two minutes, baby. You're going to stay <laughs> in your spot where you can, hey, if all things go well, you can be a pro bowler, which, hey, price of that bag going up, which, hey, hey, you can, you can start to demand this in a different way coming off a year where there will be fans in the building. Jen mm-hmm. mm-hmm. hears that, likes what he hears. Agent hears that. Hey, we might have something cooking here. We think a one-year deal, right? 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 Can I clear that with Jaren? Okay, okay, okay. Hey, get Chris on the phone. <laughs> to which they tell Chris, hey, you know what Seth was saying to me the other day? You know, it got me thinking back to when you were still in your rookie deal and you were telling you know, Bob Sutton, that you could, that you could, you know, you had a little bit of flavor to you. You had a little bit of pizzazz. You had some flexibility, some versatility. I think it's time because if Jaren answers this phone call, stop working on your past Russian drills from the outside. Mm-hmm. And then you just hang up the phone on them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Jones has wanted to do this for a while. Yes. Yeah. You, you just, you just throw it out. You hang up the phone. You sign Jaron Reed, and you don't even call Chris back. Chris calls you back, and then you say, hey, man, get ready to rush from the edge, baby. It's going to be you, Frank, and Taco. And, uh, hey, we may draft somebody, but you'll bring them along because you've been doing that for five or six years now with the team. Um, And we got four guys that I just trust off the rip day one if everybody stays healthy, and that gives you the opportunity to uh, show everybody how good you are, um, whether from the inside or the outside. So, again – all these personal relationships, all this communication, it leads to real synergy. And so Jaron Reed doesn't feel like he's being squished. He actually feels like he's going to be elevated in some degree. And it's his responsibility to do well so that Chris can do well and obviously vice versa. Um, Seth, all this comes down to is a, is a vintage 2019 Frank Clark. Oh. It, how's like how's that make you guys feel? Because I, I I know how I felt when you said that, Nate, and it was mm, that was my that was it that noise. It's like a like a bird call. I Jones has been who he is for several years, and I, I just think of the idea, like you said, it comes down to a vintage Frank Clark. Is this going to be 2018 or latter part of 2019, Frank Clark? Is this going to be Jaron Reed as he's been the last few years, but particularly 2019 and 2018 Jaron Reed? Because if – and this is another area. It's a lot like the offensive line where you've got hopefully a fairly high floor because Jaron Reed has been consistently good for years. But then the ceiling is where things get really interesting. Similarly, the offensive line, you can see a ceiling there where you're like, whoa, that's, that could be – really scarily good Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with jones clark and reed and i've seen a few people write about this josh you and i talked about this yesterday i think it was that that uh maybe it was yesterday i don't know it was was several days ago but it's i talked to so many people Uh, i'm so stressed (laughs) out today's friday it was tuesday but you know yesterday whatever well you know i just the the days just speed by when i'm not talking to you i meant for that to come off as a compliment and i realized midway through it was not it, so that's on me. You I'll know the way, you later. the way the way that I hear pretty much anything you say is I I take it as a compliment. Yeah, I think okay. So you get it then. Yeah. Um, 
the the thing with, with oh, so you're uh, surprised that I get it? Oh, okay, I see how that goes. <laughs> Sorry, so go ahead. Doug, Doug Farrar wrote about this. Like people are underselling Jones and and Reed next to each other, um, because Reed had maybe a quieter year in terms of like total sacks last year. But people forget he's a really good player, mm-hmm. and so he got, ends up on a one year deal. You had some money stuff and all that. I think Reed is. I mean, on a one year deal, that that's a great thing for Kansas City because he's got a chance to get a monster contract. But I mean, the the ceiling there is incredibly scary. If you get all three of these guys at their peak and, and we're talking like one of the best pass rushing trios in the league type scary and Spagnolo loves him some defensive line. So I, I think when you phrase it like that, Nate, and you're talking about in terms of like kind of it being part of a larger plan as opposed to we don't like our defensive ends. Correct. I'm more okay with that because then it's part of a larger overall narrative. I'm nervous about it. I, I, cause here's here's the one other thing. Because you say that you mentioned the ceiling thing, Seth, and I and I think your everything you said there about the ceiling is absolutely right. I also try in conversations that don't involve Patrick Mahomes. I try not to bet on the ceiling because it, it, generally speaking, there's as good a chance they hit the ceiling as it did the floor. And in reality, you're probably going to fall somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I just. We're going to have many, many, many more weeks and months of of guessing how that will look before it ultimately even ever gets a meaningful snap on a football field. But um, I don't know. I'm, I, I think I, I think I am I can see a path in which it ends up working out very well. It also just there's a lot of uncertainty when you get shuffling dudes around even though i i do think that the logic of it makes a decent amount of sense mm-hmm. yeah we, we, we're gonna see first first uh you know the, the 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 team that i think is really going to tell you if this works or not it's not cleveland in my opinion it's los angeles it's the chargers mm. um if this goes as according to plan how they look against the chargers and their revamped offensive line um, and obviously a, a, a star mobile quarterback, um, super athletic in Justin Herbert. Like, if it looks effective against those guys, um, I j- again, I just want to see it. Um, September 12th, I think, fellas, is more about the offense. And again, mm. Andy Reid torching people to where Anthony Lynn, God rest his soul as a head coach, um, saying, look, we're going to get cooked. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I know Anthony Lynn is still a, still among us, especially in yeah. the NFL. <laughs> just let it just let it settle for a second. Um, look, I, I know Anthony Lynn is still with us, but um, September twelfth is about okay, Baker. You're gonna need forty today. Get off the yeah. bus. Give us forty because it's <laughs> Sunday afternoon on opening day. If you don't think the Chiefs are gonna light your bros' butts on fire. On defense, then you have another thing coming because they almost scored 40 on you if a certain player didn't get hurt in the second half. Um, But I want to see how the defense looks against the Chargers because I I know, I know, I know I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. It tastes so good, though. I mean, come (laughs) on. Like, maybe the Chargers are going to be good this year. Man, just on a side note, 34, 40, and 38. 
That's what the Chiefs have scored in week one in yep. the three years Patrick Mahomes has been a starter. Um, the, the previous they, year with Alex Smith, they scored 42. They called off the dogs against the Texans because they realized, oh, they bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened last year, too. Because I remember I remember that game very vividly because that was one of those like, oh, they, they could have put up 50 here. And with against the Jaguars the year before, um, had Mahomes – because they were they – were, it was bad, but Hill and Mahomes both got hurt. Yes. I mean, it's – and then we all remember 2018, like, watching them come out, and we were like, uh, what's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. this Mahomes guy. Um, so that's just – it's worth noting that over the past three years, the Chiefs have averaged, what, like, almost, like, 38 a game, give or take, in mm-hmm. week one. And so I'm really looking forward to, like, another one of those pressers, you know, when they – defensive coordinator a few weeks before <laughs> we week one. We don't even know his name yet. Maybe we do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. But, I mean, it's going to be – like, 2016, they put up 33. That was with Alex Smith in one of Alex Smith's down years. Um, have they won every week one with Andy Reid? Just they've lost one, and that was the weird um, home opener against Tennessee. Uh, oh, yep, 2014. Yes. Oh, that was a bizarre game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's just one of those things where I'm really looking forward to that, where it's one of those like, what do you expect from Andy Reid and the Chiefs in week one? He's like, I don't know. I don't like, know, man. <laughs> probably. I think they're going to run an H-back a lot of the time, as far as I can tell. Like, they're doing weird stuff over there, guys. It's it's one of those things where, like, I mean, I would I would say it in a, in a loving manner, but it kind of wouldn't be a joke where if I was the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, and look, I ain't even going to Google it because it's, it's a better joke if I don't. Um... Because obviously, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna send some prayers. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get eight hours of sleep. I'm gonna pray to the Lord. I'm gonna show up on time, as Seth has has demonstrated and and, and stressed to us. And look, my mind will be will be healthy. It'll be rested. I will have prayed, and I'm gonna just let God take it from there. Like <laughs> this is what's capable. These are the players I have. Uh, sometimes prayer doesn't work. <laughs> um, oh. I, I I know it's a good joke to not know who the Browns defensive coordinator is, but I think in this instance, the truth might be funnier. Um, the Browns defensive coordinator is Joe Woods. He was added to the staff uh, February two, uh, 2020 mm-hmm. and uh, coming into his first season with the Browns. Do you know what he was doing out here in 2017 and 2018? <sighs> Please say something know. high school related. No, no, it oh. might be worse. He was the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Oh! <laughs> Who have not beaten the Chiefs since uh, since I was in high school. That's uh, almost true. It's not quite, but it's almost true. Man, that's man. Well, we're getting there. What is, it was 2014? The Broncos last beat them. Uh, this 2015. Is ri- yeah. Was it? I mean, this yeah. is getting ridiculous. Like yeah. Barack Obama was president, guys. <laughs> like this was a minute ago. Like this was right. Age of Ultron had just come out. <laughs> I did a whole list of things because so, a Broncos fan was in my mentions, and and I did a whole list of stuff. So you're and it's saying, a lot. So you're saying your idea to Denver radio stations is to play all the hits, all the classics from 2015. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe get a little switch foot on the air. Dude, I've had that. I've had that opening that opening little riff in my head for now 20, 30 straight minutes, uh, which also means that we're we're fully out of time. Uh, so here's here's what I'll tell you you can do. Uh, Nate wrote about uh, the, the, the Chiefs defense in the red zone specifically. I figured we'd talk about it some today. Didn't end up happening. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Uh, but also, Nate, I do want to I do want to box out a minute here for you to talk about the enormous and excellent piece you wrote that revolves around the Negro Leagues Museum and also um, a, a bit of a rising star there who's done some some really fascinating work with the museum in a, a pretty short time and, and what that's going to mean for them going forward. So I, I you cannot summarize it in a minute. <laughs> I know that. But but if you can lead people to it, yeah. uh, people can go read it at The Athletic right now. Yeah, uh, theathletic.com. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Uh, it's under our culture section, vertical, whatever you would like to call it. Um, but if you search my name, it'll, it'll show up. But uh, the story that I told myself when I learned about it um, was the history of the Negro Leagues was first experienced by Buck O'Neill. It was handed down to Bob Kendrick, the president of the museum right now. And that information is being handed down to Miss Kiana Sinks, uh, the new digital and museum engagement director, uh, who's 26 in her job in this social media digitized world um, is to promote the museum and connect the Negro leagues to younger fans, whether you're baseball, whether you're basketball, um, or even if you're just someone who wants to understand American history uh, through a different sort of context, which is obviously baseball segregation. Jackie Robinson comes as a barrier breaker. So um, it was fascinating to work on. It's always nice. And I know people understand this when you have one certain job, but your job allows you to kind of just kind of come, kind of go in a different direction, take your mind off something, learn. Uh, the best part of my job is I just get to learn things, and then I try to relay that information to a, you know, sizable broad audience. Um, it was great to be in person reporting again, and that's mm-hmm. why I mentioned earlier as to like I want to be in the locker room because I understand uh, my role in connecting fans to the teams, athletes, coaches that they care about. Um, I got to spend time with Kiana and Bob um, both at the museum and at the Royals uh, Salute to the Negro Leagues game. Um, please read the piece if you get a chance. Um, from a reporter standpoint, it is my connection to Joe Posnanski because mm. when I was in college was when the uh, it's not an autobiography, but it is a just magical book um that Posnansky got to write alongside uh Bob Kendrick but it was obviously about Buck O'Neill um it's it's one of my favorite books it's called The Soul of ba- uh, excuse me The Soul of Baseball a road trip through Buck O'Neill's America um think about this guys almost 2 decades ago Joe Posnansky got to spend road trips with Buck O'Neill and Bob Kendrick and I got to spend a week with Bob Kendrick and Keanu uh, Sinks. So that's that was the fascinating part for me. And uh, just, yeah, just glad I got to do it. And uh, Keanu might be on another athletic podcast in the near future. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very, it's a, I won't re-summarize it, and I certainly won't do it better than you just did, but it, it's worth your time. Um, I'll also say this, something that I just 
you you mentioning where people could find it. Uh, I just literally whenever I type theathletic.com slash a, it goes theathletic.com slash author slash Nate dash Taylor. Um, and then I have the, the, the one down from that is theathletic.com slash author slash S. And there we go. Seth dash Kaiser. Um, so if you want to make sure you haven't missed anything from either of these guys, you can just do what I do and occasionally just go straight to their author page, uh, which you can also get to by clicking their byline anywhere. Um, and also the app makes it pretty easy to follow authors in addition to team and stuff so uh, up on the athletic right now seth also has his chief in the north newsletter you can go to mnchiefsfan.substack.com if you want to check out his work over there i've got almost entirely sports over on sports radio 810 whb and uh tonight is going to just be me screaming about the phoenix suns for a yeah, hour. baby, just an hour of it baby just an hour of sinking into it me and rudy salazar resident denver nuggets fan uh, we now are we're going to celebrate for one day. It's like enjoying a win. You know, you enjoy it for one day and then it's war after that. So um, I, I would I will say you should follow all of us on Twitter. But if you wait until after the NBA playoffs are over or at least until after the Suns are no longer playing basketball, which will be after the finals that they're going to win. I w- wouldn't hurt my feelings. You want to mute me for the for the, the NBA playoffs? I understand. I'm an extremely I'm an extremely toxic Suns fan right now. And I wouldn't follow me. I would actually. I would. I'm at JB Briscoe. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs fan. I think that was it for everybody. And if it was, I'll let I'll let you guys take us out. If you need, you know, just acapella meant to live in the background, whatever, we can we can make that happen for you too. Hey, at some point, there's that young buck coming for us. <laughs> and darn it, they're gonna raise a banner in Phoenix. That they beat LeBron James in the first round. Oh, sorry. And if you think, if you think Michael Jordan would have lost in this team, you have another thing coming. Is that my own worst enemy? Yes.